Chapter Eighteen, Part Three of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter Eighteen, Part Three. Deposits in the Delta. The quantity of mud held in suspension by the waters of the Ganges and Brahmaputra is found, as might be expected, to exceed that of any of the rivers alluded to in this or the preceding chapters. For, in the first place, their feeders flow from mountains of unrivaled altitude, and do not clear themselves in any lakes, as does the Rhine in the Lake of Constance or the Rhone in that of Geneva and secondly their whole course is nearer the equator than that of the mississippi or any great river respecting which careful experiments have been made to determine the quantity of its water and earthy contents the fall of rain moreover as we have before seen is excessive on the southern flanks of the first range of mountains which rise from the plains of hindustan and still more remarkable is the quantity sometimes poured down in one day see above page two hundred the sea where the ganges and brahmaputra discharge their main stream at the flood season only recovers its transparency at the distance of from sixty to one hundred miles from the delta and we may take for granted that the current continues to transport the finer particles much farther south than where the surface water first becomes clear the general slope therefore of the new strata must be extremely gentle according to the best charts there is a gradual deepening from four to about sixty fathoms as we proceed from the base of the delta to the distance of about one hundred miles into the bay of bengal at some few points seventy or even one hundred fathoms are obtained at that distance one remarkable exception however occurs to the regularity of the shape of the bottom opposite the middle of the delta at the distance of thirty or forty miles from the coast a deep submarine valley occurs called the swatch of no ground about fifteen miles in diameter where soundings of one hundred eighty and even three hundred fathoms fail to reach the bottom this phenomenon is the more extraordinary since the depression runs north to within five miles of the line of shoals and not only do the waters charged with sediment pass over it continually but during the monsoons the sea loaded with mud and sand is beaten back in that direction towards the delta as the mud is known to extend for eighty miles farther into the gulf an enormous thickness of matter must have been deposited in the swatch we may conclude therefore either that the original depth of this part of the bay of bengal was excessive or that subsidences have occurred in modern times the latter conjecture is the less improbable as the whole area of the delta has been convulsed in the historical era by earthquakes and actual subsidences have taken place in the neighboring coast of chittagong while the swatch lies not far from the volcanic band which connects sumatra barren island and ramri opposite the mouth of the hogli river and immediately south to sogor island 
four miles from the nearest land of the delta a new islet was formed about twenty years ago called edmondstone island on the centre of which a beacon was erected as a landmark in eighteen seventeen in eighteen eighteen the island had become two miles long and half a mile broad and was covered with vegetation and shrubs some houses were then built upon it and in eighteen twenty it was used as a pilot station the severe gale of eighteen twenty three divided it into two parts and so reduced its size as to leave the beacon standing out in the sea where after remaining seven years it was washed away the islet in eighteen thirty six had been converted by successive storms into a sandbank half a mile long on which a sea mark was placed although there is evidence of gain at some points the general progress of the coast is very slow for the tides when the river water is low are actively employed in removing alluvial matter in the thunderbunds the usual rise and fall of the tides is no more than eight feet but on the east side of the delta dr hooker observed in the winter of eighteen fifty one a rise of from sixty to eighty feet producing among the islands at the mouth of the megna and fenny rivers a lofty wave or bore as they ascend and causing the river water to be ponded back and then to sweep down with great violence when the tide ebbs the bay for forty miles south of chittagong is so fresh that neither algae nor mangroves will grow in it we may therefore conceive how effective may be the current formed by so great a volume of water in dispersing fine mud over a wide area its power is sometimes augmented by the agitation of the bay during hurricanes in the month of may the new superficial strata consists entirely of fine sand and mud such at least are the only materials which are exposed to view in regular beds on the banks of the numerous creeks neither here or higher up the ganges could dr hooker discover any land or fresh-water shells in sections of the banks which in the plains higher up sometimes form cliffs eighty feet in height at low water in like manner i have stated that i was unable to find any buried shells in the delta of modern river cliffs of the mississippi no substance so coarse as gravel occurs in any part of the delta of the ganges and brahmaputra nor nearer the sea than four hundred miles yet it is remarkable than the boring of an artesian well at fort william near calcutta in the years eighteen thirty five eighteen forty displayed at the depth of one hundred and twenty feet clay and sand with pebbles this boring was carried to a depth of four hundred eighty one feet below the level of calcutta and the geological section obtained in the operation has been recorded with great care under the surface soil at a depth of about ten feet they came to a stiff blue clay about forty feet in thickness below which was sandy clay containing in its lower portion abundance of decayed vegetable matter which at the bottom assumed the character of a stratum of black peat two feet thick this peaty mass was considered as a clear indication like the dirt bed of portland of an ancient terrestrial surface with a forest or thunderbound vegetation 
logs and branches of a red-colored wood occur both above and immediately below the peat so little altered that dr wallich was able to identify them with the sondry tree heritiera litoralis one of the most prevalent forms at the base of the delta dr falconer tells me that similar peat has been met with at other points round calcutta at the depth of nine feet and twenty-five feet it appears therefore that there has been a sinking down of what was originally land in this region to the amount of seventy feet or more perpendicular for calcutta is only a few feet above the level of the sea and the successive peat beds seem to imply that the subsidence of the ground was gradual or interrupted by several pauses below the vegetable mass they entered upon a stratum of yellowish clay about ten feet thick containing horizontal layers of kunkar or kankar a nodular concretionary argillaceous limestone met with abundantly at greater or less depth in all parts of the valley of the ganges over many thousand square miles and always presenting the same characters even at a distance of one thousand miles north of calcutta some of this kankar is said to be of very recent origin in deposits formed by river inundations near saharanpur after penetrating one hundred and twenty feet they found loam containing water-worn fragments of mica slate and other kinds of rock which the current of the ganges can no longer transport to this region in the various beds pierced through below consisting of clay marl and friable sandstone with conquer here and there intermixed no organic remains of decidedly marine origin were met with too positive a conclusion ought not it is true to be drawn from such a fact when we consider the narrow bore of the auger and its effect in crushing shells and bones nevertheless it is worthy of remark that the only fossils obtained in a recognizable state were of a fluviatile or terrestrial character thus at the depth of three hundred fifty feet the bony shell of a tortoise a trionyx a freshwater genus was found in sand resembling the living species of bengal from the same stratum also they drew up the lower half of the homerus of a ruminant at first referred to a hyena it was the size and shape says dr falconer of the shoulder bone of the carabus porcinus or common hog deer of india at the depth of three hundred eighty feet clay with fragments of lacustrine shells was incumbent on what appears clearly to have been another dirt bed or stratum of decayed wood implying a period of repose of some duration and a forest-covered land which must have subsided three hundred feet to admit of the subsequent superposition of the overlying deposits it has been conjectured that at the time when this area supported trees the land extended much further out into the bay of bengal than now and that in later times the ganges while enlarging its delta has been only recovering lost ground from the sea at the depth of about four hundred feet below the surface an abrupt change was observed in the character of the strata which were composed in great part of sand shingle and boulders the only fossils observed being the vertebrae of a crocodile 
shell of a trionyx, and fragments of wood, very little altered, and similar to that buried in beds far above. These gravelly beds constituted the bottom of the section at the depth of 481 feet, when the operations were discontinued, in consequence of an accident which happened to the auger. The occurrence of pebbles at the depths of 120 and 400 feet implies an important change in the geographical condition of the region around or near Calcutta. The fall of the river, or the general slope of the alluvial plain, may have been formerly greater, or, before a general and perhaps unequal subsidence, hills, once nearer the present base of the delta, may have risen several hundred feet, forming islands in the bay, which may have sunk gradually, and become buried under fluviatile sediment. Antiquity of the Delta It would be a matter of no small as scientific interest, if experiments were made to enable us to determine, with some degree of accuracy, the mean quantity of earthy matter discharged annually into the sea by the united waters of the Ganges and Brahmaputra. The Reverend Mr. Everest instituted, in 1831-32, a series of observations on the earthy matter brought down by the Ganges at Gazipur, 500 miles from the sea. He found that in 1831, the number of cubic feet of water discharged by the river per second at that place was, during the rains, four months, 494,208, during the winter, five months, 71,200, during the hot weather, three months, 36,330, so that we may state in round numbers that 500,000 cubic feet per second flow down during the four months of the flood season, from June to September, and less than 60,000 per second during the remaining eight months. The average quantity of solid matter suspended in the water during the rains was, by weight, one four hundred twenty-eighth part, but as the water is about one-half the specific gravity of the dried mud, the solid matter discharged is one eight hundred fifty-sixth part in bulk, or five hundred seventy-seven cubic feet per second. This gives a total of six billion eighty-two million forty-one thousand. 600 cubic feet for the discharge in the 122 days of the rain. The proportion of sediment in the waters at other seasons was comparatively insignificant, the total amount during the five winter months being only 247,881,600 cubic feet, and during the three months of hot weather, 38,154,000 240 cubic feet. The total annual discharge then would be 6,368,077,440 cubic feet. This quantity of mud would in one year raise a surface of 228.5 square miles, or a square space, each side of which should measure 15 miles, a height of one foot. To give some idea of the magnitude of this result, we will assume that the specific gravity of the dried mud is only one-half that of granite. It would, however, be more. In that case, the earthy matter discharged in a year 
would equal three billion one hundred eighty four million thirty eight thousand seven hundred twenty cubic feet of granite now about twelve and a half cubic feet of granite weighed one ton and it is computed that the great pyramid of egypt if it were of solid mass of granite would weigh about six hundred million tons the mass of matter therefore carried down annually would according to this estimate more than equal in weight and bulk forty-two of the great pyramids of egypt and that borne down in the four months of the rains would equal forty pyramids but if without any conjecture as to what may have been the specific gravity of the mud we attend merely to the weight of solid matter actually proved by mr everest to have been contained in the water we find that the number of tons weight which passed down in the one hundred twenty two days of the rainy season was three hundred thirty nine million four hundred thirteen thousand seven hundred sixty which would give the weight of fifty six pyramids and a half and in the whole year three hundred fifty five million three hundred sixty one thousand four hundred sixty four tons or nearly the weight of sixty pyramids the base of the great pyramid of egypt covers eleven acres and its perpendicular height is about five hundred feet it is scarcely possible to present any picture to the mind which will convey an adequate conception of the mighty scale of this operation so tranquilly and almost insensibly carried on by the ganges as it glides through its alluvial plain even at a distance of five hundred miles from the sea it may however be stated that if a fleet of more than eighty indiamen each freighted with about one thousand four hundred tons weight of mud were to sail down the river every hour of every day and night for four months continuously they would only transport from the higher country to the sea a mass of solid matter equal to that borne down by the ganges even in this part of its course in the four months of the flood season or the exertions of a fleet of about two thousand such ships going down daily with the same burden and discharging it into the gulf would be no more than equivalent to the operations of the great river the most voluminous current of lava which was flowed from etna within historical times was that of sixteen sixty nine ferrara after correcting borelli's estimate calculated the quantity of cubic yards of lava in this current at one hundred forty million now this would not equal in bulk one-fifth of the sedimentary matter which is carried down in a single year by the ganges past gazepur according to the estimate above explained so that it would require five grand eruptions of etna to transfer a mass of lava from the subterranean regions to the surface equal in volume to the mud carried down in one year to that place captain erstachy of the bengal engineers has remarked to me not only that gazepur where mr everest's observations were made is five hundred miles from the sea but that the ganges has not been joined there by its most important feeders these drain upon the whole seven hundred fifty miles of the himalaya and no more than one hundred fifty miles of that mountain chain 
have sent their contributions to the main trunk at Gazepore. Below that place, the Ganges is joined by the Gogra, Gunduk, Kosi, and Tista from the north, to say nothing of the Sone flowing from the south, one of the largest of the rivers which rise in the tableland of central India. See map, figure 25. Moreover, the remaining 600 miles of the Himalaya comprise that eastern portion of the basin where the rains are heaviest. The quantity of water therefore carried down to the sea may probably be four or five times as much as that which passes Gezapur. The Brahmaputra, according to Major Wilcox, in the month of January, when it is near its minimum, discharges 150,000 cubic feet of water per second at Gualpara, not many miles above the head of its delta. Taking the proportions observed at Gazepur at the different seasons as a guide, the probable average discharge of the Brahmaputra for the whole year may be estimated at about the same as that of the Ganges. Assuming this, and secondly, in order to avoid the risk of exaggeration, that the proportion of sediment in their waters is about a third less than Mr. Everest's estimate, the mud, borne down to the Bay of Bengal in one year, would equal forty thousand millions of cubic feet, or between six and seven times as much, as that brought down to Gazepur, according to Mr. Everest's calculations in 1831, and ten times as much as that conveyed annually by the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. Captain Strachey estimates the annually inundated portion of the delta at 250 miles in length by 80 in breadth, making an area of 20,000 square miles. The space south of this, in the bay, where sediment is thrown down, may be 300 miles from east to west by 150 north to south, or 45,000 square miles, which, added to the former, gives a surface of 65,000 square miles, over which the sediment is spread out by the two rivers. Suppose, then, the solid matter to amount to 40,000 millions of cubic feet per annum. The deposit, he observes, must be continued for 45 years and three-tenths to raise the whole area a height of one foot, or 13,600 years to raise it 300 feet, and this, as we have seen, is much less than the thickness of the fluviatile strata actually penetrated, and the bottom not reached, by the auger at Calcutta. Nevertheless, we can by no means deduce from these data alone what will be the future rate of advance of the delta, nor even predict whether the land will gain on the sea or remain stationary. At the end of thirteen thousand years, the bay may be less shallow than now, provided a moderate depression, corresponding to that experienced in part of Greenland for many centuries shall take place. See chapter 30. A subsidence quite insensible to the inhabitants of Bengal, not exceeding two feet three inches in a century, would be more than sufficient to counterbalance all the efforts of the two mighty rivers to extend the limits of their delta. We have seen that the artesian borings at Calcutta attest, 
what the vast depths of the swatch may also in all likelihood indicate, that the antagonist force of subsidence has predominated for ages over the influx of loviatile mud, preventing it from raising the plains of Bengal, or from filling up a larger portion of the bay. End of chapter 18, part 3